Oh, hey. Big slice of humble pie. I'll have it with some relish. Ha ha. Because I've been a bit down on these uh, monthly uh, Impact Plus app um, events. Of course, I got Impact Plus, but after the revamp, I can't actually sign into it. I've asked for a new password, and nothing's happened. So, you know, if that, well, if that happens for more than a week, you won't be getting any more Impact reports, because I won't be subscribing to Impact anymore. And that's a shame, because even though I've had some issues about the Impact um, programming week by week, I think that this Turning Point event was rather good. I think it had it had some bum moments in it, but generally, I thought it had some rather excellent matches on it, and not too much of that backstage nonsense with the Johnny Bravo stuff. Sorry, John E. Bravo stuff. There was um, one section regarding that, and we'll come to that in a bit. But, you know, I think this worked out all right. And I've had an issue with the way that the writing, the plotting, the writing, the story arcs, the angles have been working because been going from impact to impact and growing towards the pay-per-view. Well, now if you shove another event in every month, you've got to change things. But they seem to be sorting it out because they've got some very short little feuds here which they've knocked off on this event. And they've got some other um, larger programs which will continue through this event so let's get to the meat. And they've started off with something that is okay. It's Eddie Edwards and you can do anything you like with Eddie Edwards now. He's a company man, it seems, against the returning Davari, who of course is ripped. And I've liked Davari in the past. I've not liked the way he was used, perhaps, but I've liked his work in the past. And it is a nice, smooth wrestling match. It's nothing particularly special. There's quite a lot of work on Eddie's arm. Eddie, of course, hits the backpack stunner, and that always looks good. Gets a two count for that, of course he does. And he hits a tiger driver as well. The end comes when Davari, because of course he's so heinous, gets his feet on the ropes in full view of the ref on a pin. The ref says, you can't do that, Javali. I'd rather you did, and it's against the rules. He says, what do you mean against the rules? I'm not very happy with that. They're jawing. He turns round straight into a Boston knee party pin. It's all right. It eases you in. It's not great. And then we've got Caleb doing more or less exactly the same script as he has done week on week when announcing to Neil Dashwood. Really, mate, just a few different words might do better for you. At the moment, you're looking like you can't really do it. And that might be the case. But to someone who can do it, nice segue, Steve, nice segue. It's Tennille Dashwood and Jordan Grace versus Rosemary and Tyre, or Tyre and Rosemary. And Tyre and Rosemary... I think have actually been really good together. They've really worked well. It's the kind of team where you think, well, we'll just put those together and see what happens. Actually, 
they work incredibly well together. You can never sense this is going to happen until it does. And, you know, Dashwood and Grace should be a good um, team together were it not for their apparent dislike of each other because you do have someone who's faster and you do have someone who's a powerhouse, i.e. Heart Foundation, you know? Or Power and Glory, Sour and Gory. Or the Rock... Oh, it doesn't always work, does it? Anyway, this is a really nice match, including a Grace Headlock on Tyre, who smiles at that. She's really enjoying herself. And she kind of... Um, she kind of enjoys herself in this match, even though she is sort of jobbed out to a certain degree. She goes for a, a, a pin... And uh, Dashwood very um, is very sure to show her she doesn't want to pin her. Uh, not a pin, a tag. Dashwood is keen to show her she doesn't want to tag because she's stretching. As uh, Matthew says, she really should do that before she gets in the, in the ring. Yeah. There is a very nice uh, rosemary overhead throw and a good German suplex by uh, Tyre uh, on Jordan Grace. And... About half to, to two-thirds of this match had gone, and Dashwood hadn't even got in the ring. First time she gets in, she tries to steal a Jordan Grace pin. I like, see, I like the sneakiness of her, and the ridiculousness of her, and, the, and the, um, the social media lack of understanding and lack of, of lack of staying power. I really like that. Tyre hits a great spear on Jordan Grace um, and um, Dashwood most of the time is too busy having her photos taken as we know the pin comes when there is a reverse backpack stunner I think I'll call it which Rosemary hits I like that finishing move it's on Grace for the pin she's being jobbed out Jordan Grace you know a few weeks ago she was in the X Division Championship picture. Now she's just being jobbed out for other people's angles. Strange how things change so quickly. And it's such a shame because she is a really good wrestler and looks great and has a really good angle for her as well. But this was a good match. And now to the John E. Bravo only moment of the night. Dreamer nowhere to be seen on this event thank goodness for that not that i don't like dreamer it's just that i don't like him having to sell the who shot john e bravo thing cody dean is in there angry with his cousin jake because he lost to swinger i really like that this has come over from from last week i lost a swinger man no one loses loses to swinger so they decide to go and search for him they want to redeem their name what happens is they're walking down a corridor and they see a woman come out to say, how dare you, look at each other and say, swinger. And then he's in the toilet, it seems, but they see his bag, including, and I wish I didn't have to say this phrase again, the loaded fanny pack. They open it and in it is a gun. So now not only have we got a loaded fanny pack, we've got a weapon in a fanny pack. That's something I really don't want to have to say ever again. And let's never speak of it again. Okay. And now we've got Myers, who is lost. 
Brian Myers completely lost. I bet you're delighted that you came back to Impact, aren't you, mate? A WWE refugee. And here he is fighting Swoggle. You know, he's gone from um, Mac to Dreamer to Swoggle. Nothing sticks. And I'm not sure what they have for him. Swoggle had a good go here, you know. You know he can do this. You know he can wrestle. Looks good when he does it. He hits a, um, a head scissors. Myers bailed. But obviously Myers got the upper hand and beat on Swoggle. Swoggle got Myers up in a German suplex. And Myers obviously really helped him to do it. It looked great. And you couldn't see all the help that Myers gave him. And that is great. Brian Myers, well done. Have to say, in spite of the way I feel about his character, that was fantastic work. Unfortunately, Swoggle had to wait on the top rope for Myers to actually get to him to give him a, a head kick, so that wasn't good. Never mind. Swoggle hits a splash for a long two, which is great, but there was a big, big clothesline and Myers gets the pin. This is a new low for Myers and I am sick and tired of seeing him bounce from person to person and as I say, nothing's sticking. Stop throwing that mud at the wall, repackage him, or get rid. Now a match I really want to see. It's Triple XL versus Chris Sabin and Storm. Oh yes, James Storm. And what a great match it was because they really worked well together. And Triple X can do it as well. You know, they. They, um, they get some great moves here. They, they also had some good psychology. They kept Sabin in the ring and they kept using Storm's short fuse, as was mentioned by Matthews, to get him into the ring so that, so that they could double team. It was very, very nice. Larry D hit a kind of, out of the corner, hit a sort of, big sit-out vertical suplex. It was really good to see some really interesting offense there. And and also, Storm on both sides of the ring, jumping off Sabin's back to dive on each member of Triple XL. Very nice. And their cry, beer, guns, and they both look at each other as if to say, doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> also, Sabin used Storm, he, he, he kicked against him to get his legs up for a Tornado DDT. And AC got the single arm slam on Sabin. Just gr great work and fast paced. You know, just because they're two big men in Triple XL doesn't mean they can't do this. And they really, really can. In the end, it was a Sabian codebreaker code uh, on, uh, on AC and then two kicks for the pin. This match was something very, very special. And so, to something else which should be a high point. The Defeat Rohit Challenge. And as he said, it won't be TJP's music that hits, but whose music will it be? Well, it will be Jake 
Dina. But before we get there, Rohit's comment this week. His mother called him son because he shines like one. Oh, yes. That is beautiful. Now, this was an okay match, actually. In fact, it became really good. It had a lot of heat and they seemed to gel really well. In the early going, Rohit went for his legs, but Jake just punched him and knocked him down. There was a very nice on-target on drop kick. You really saw with the filming, you really saw it smack against his face. That was great. Now, Rohit went for a tilt-to-world DDT, but Jake put him down with another really nice piece of offense, which was kind of like a, a side slam and pile driver sort of, sort of move. Looked good. Looked brutal, well executed, long too. Again, Rohit tried something else. Cannonball in the corner. He was caught upside down by Jake and a huge sit-out powerbomb for another two. Of course, Rohit's going to win. But this was a great match. He did get the pin in the end. But it was a really, really good match. And what happened afterwards was really interesting as well. Because EY came out and they've repositioned him. He's no longer searching for the title, I hope. Now he's going to start a stable because he's got Joe During. But of course he's more than just a WWE refugee. He's done an awful lot. Look good, brutalised them both. And left. That's all you need. And if EY is going to start some kind of heel faction, I would prefer that because it'll give him less time on camera. And now to the holdover from the, it seems, departed EC3. Shame they've given Moose the EC3 shtick because even someone great like Moose, who is great on the mic, can't make this fly. It was versus Willie Mac. There was no reason for it. It was a completely forced match. I don't understand why Moose is concerned about Rich Swan's heavyweight title when he spent months telling everybody how important the TNT title is and that the heavyweight title doesn't really matter. So why he's jealous, I do not know. He's in there with Mac because Mac is Swan's friend. And Moose could be the new EC3. God, that's terrible. There was quite a lot of, if you want to see what pain feels like, Swan, look at this. Particularly while he was stomping on Mac's face and Mac was pulling some nice facials on the outside. Really as if to say, this is awful. He hit a really high drop kick and he can do this. He got full extension on it. For a big man, Moose knows what he's doing and so does Mac. He did the, uh, the kip up and the moonsault spot. And of course his Samoan drop for a long two. There was a big man superplex by Moose. And Matt came straight towards the camera and screamed. And then they showed it again. And the noise of him hitting the mat and that scream was quite chilling. Okay, in the end, there was a spear and um, Mac passed out. Yeah, he passed out. It's the shtick. Moose couldn't stop brutalising him, so they reversed the decision, and Mac won. 
but he passed out. Not only are you jobbing a great wrestler out to matches that don't really matter, you had him looking a pussy because he he just lost consciousness. How bad does that make Mac look? He's being humiliated here. And he needs to see the brass and sort this out as soon as possible. Oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. The North versus the Good Brothers. How long can they keep the titles off their big signings from the WWE? Not long, it seems. Because here, they won them. It's terrible news and it wasn't a great match. You see, they really, you can see the little fingers of the booking team and and the writers in the Good Brothers work all the time. Desperately trying to get them over, not really achieving it. This week, in this, in this event, Alexander, he was owned by Gallows. And last week, the opposite happened. How things can change when people are writing for you, eh? Again, the North, great double teaming, great tag team work. Madison Rain telling us everybody loves the Good Brothers. There's that pushing again. If you push and push and push, eventually we will be telling you we don't buy it. I'm already walking past the racks. Page sells a headlock very well. He's giving the headlock, grinding it in. And all his facials are good on that. Great, great character. Great wrestler. Although there is a good, nice, good brothers suplex and neckbreaker combo. Eventually they hit the magic killer. They are the new champions. Let us move on. To a match which we also don't need. This is really there because of Kylie Ray not turning up at the last pay-per-view. And now, um, I hope she's okay. She is retired or she's not wrestling anymore. And I really do hope she's okay. Really mean that. So there to bring Sue Young out. But I don't think they thought they wanted to. She won the title. Now we've got a no DQ match. Sue Young versus Donna Perazzo. And actually, they've sold this quite well. It's the last thing Donna Perazzo wants. A no DQ match. Shame then that this match was just like a normal wrestling match with a few accoutrements. For quite a lot of the match, you just got things like a bad head scissors, Perazzo working on Sue Young's arm. Eventually a kendo stick came in. She got a rope from under the under the ring. Oh no, she's got a rope. You know what, we, what she does with that? I think I can guess. However, there were some high spots here. Sue Young hit a pedigree on the stage. And then when she went to blow the mist at Perazzo, there was a, a, a canvas, a painting canvas in the ring. So Perazzo blocked it with that and then smacked her over the head with the canvas. That was always nice to see. And then the Venus de Milo, it's an awful, awful name for the, a double arm bar. Was given to Sue Young with her head in the chair and then they did the Hogan spot. She's out. Arm drops once, arm drops twice. And then Josh Matthews almost looked out here, but he just couldn't get it right. The Undead Bride is still in this. No, the Undead Bride is still alive. They sound similar, mate. 
Do I have to be telling you what to do? Yes. Anyway, Mandible Claw, rope round Purazo's neck in the corner. She flips um, Sue Young out, then hits a sort of flip pile driver, which is quite sloppy. I mean, Sue Young's head was bobbling around a bit in there. It didn't look safe to me. It's called the Cosa Nostra, so it's going to be her finisher. She needs to perfect it, and she wins. That was really poor. But... It's the main event. And these two have got previous. Because when Rich Swan had nothing, lost to both his parents, Callahan took him in and that's documented. So they've been playing on that. They've done it before and they'll do it again now. And that works very well. And Callahan is a lot more than just, oh, Callahan's just a hardcore wrestler. He's a nasty, nasty hardcore wrestler. There's a lot more than that. His emotional stuff and his work are really good. His promos are great. He can cut a harsh, hardcore promo, but he can also cut a very emotional, lovely promo too. He is a bit of a secret weapon. And in this match, he showed he was. They worked so well together. It was a great, great match. Including a Callahan single leg with the leg over the back of his neck. Turned into a pin by Swan. And Callahan not wanting to get in the ring. And doing that, doing the macho man at WrestleMania 5. Definitely not getting in. In fact, he even bows at the ref and Swan at one point. It's lovely. Of course, Reigns saying, who'd have thought a few weeks ago that Swan's career was in jeopardy? Yeah, who'd have thought that, eh? Nobody, actually. Because you've done it really badly and you've rushed it. Although he tweaks a knee during this match. So Callahan goes after that. A leg lock. He's enjoying it. He even gives Swan a free shot. And Swan can't take him out even from that. There's a brutal Callahan buckle bomb. And as he bounces out of the ring, he grabs him and hits a brain buster. That is just beautifully smooth. Great wrestling. At one point, he's even put, pulled one of Swan's dreadlocks out and he's wearing it like a kind of Zapata moustache. That is Prime Callahan, and he is something very, very special. Callahan also hits a packaged tombstone pile driver, which looks as good as it sounds, but he didn't even get a long two count for that. And then he hits a pile driver on the apron to Swan, but Swan must be superhuman because he immediately hits a handspring into a cutter on the outside. Yeah, that kind of thing doesn't work for me because if you're going to hold cup, at least hold cup. Don't immediately jump from an apron pile driver into a cutter. At this point, Sham rocks in, but Eddie, who we've seen earlier on, said, I've got you back, son, got you back, comes out and lays into him, and Shamrock shows no offence whatsoever. He just, he just wanders around as if, to, as if to say, I'm dead surprised somebody else would come out and try and beat me up. He looks like a fool. That's a Hall of Famer, a fool. And it's been like that for weeks. Okay, it ends in a very interesting way in that Swan kicks him, kicks him again, keeps kicking him until until he can't get up and he gets the pin over Callahan. Great, great match. Two great people who can really wrestle and despite some of the issues around, yeah, 
I thought he'd retired a few weeks ago. In fact, he had. Oh, he must have really rehabbed quickly. Yeah, apparently he gets up at five, got up at five o'clock every morning to rehab. So if you do that, you can come back within about two or three weeks. Anyway, despite all that, this was a great match and it was a really good event. There were some duds, but you usually get that. You know, special events and pay-per-views, the cards are not great from beginning to end. They seldom are. That's as rare as hen's teeth. You know, always, always rare as empathy on a Tory minister. But this was very, very good. And it's a four and a half out of five because those matches that were good were really memorable. And I hope people are talking about this. What I'll be talking about is why I can't access my Impact app. And let's see if we get in there. Because if not, it's ta-ta from me for good. Ta-ta. <laughs>